happened to really special in my mug. Um, joined by some guests. Uh, this is Rupert and um, this is Andrew, and we're coming uh, from Old School Wines. Um, Andrew is a really good friend of ours uh, who owns Old School Wines, and he has our coffee here, and uh, my home has loads of his wine in it. Um, but yeah, if you just want to introduce yourself, guys, just kind of tell the, the Has Been fans out there who you are um, and, and just a little bit about yourselves. Right, do you want me to go first? I'm Andrew, uh, as Steve said, this is my business. Um, we've been here, I've been in the wine trade 30 years, lucky enough to be in the wine business 30 years. But you tell me you were 21. I know. It's amazing, <laughs> it's matter. Before I was even born, I was in the wine trade. Um, and yeah, just still fascinated by the whole subject and, and really fascinated by the parallels that we find. Um, Within uh, in coffee, and there's a similar language, you see. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, coffees are probably our number two uh, love after um, after wine. And something I've been quite passionate about for people who read the blog is about the similarities of the wine industry and the coffee industry. And Andrew's really helped me understand that uh, a lot more, and, and Rupert certainly, because whenever I come in, Rupert's really good at saying, "Oh, try this, try this, try." This. And it, there are just so many similarities w w within the industries. Um, Rupi, if you just want to tell people who you are. I am uh, I'm a sorcerer's apprentice. So, <laughs> protege of uh, Andrew, Andrew Wilson and, uh, and wine enthusiast, as we are all here at, at, at Old School Wines. Um, and uh, keen to know more about coffee from the sage wisdom that is, uh, that is Steve. So. Um, so, yeah, what, we do, what, we, what am I doing here? Well, um, I went to Guatemala recently, as you know, from the, the In My Mugs we've been doing, and I was lucky enough to come across um, this unique product, and we think we're going to use unique a lot today, don't we, but <laughs> um, it's a, a red wine, a Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot blend from Guatemala. Uh, I'd never seen any Guatemalan wine, and, and you guys hadn't seen it before either, and we thought might be quite cool to actually try and do a tasting with it and see whether we can find similarities between the coffee and wine. It's a, it's a little bit of a long shot, but we thought it might be quite, quite good fun. Mm. Um, there's, there's a very good reason why we've never seen wine from Guatemala. Why is that? Because it's too hot. Exactly, yeah. Anywhere that grows coffee, generally speaking, is too hot to make wine. I know we had this conversation about coffee grows in the tropics. Yeah. Wine grows. Exactly the there, is. Uh, there are a few crossovers, big countries like Brazil. Yeah. A bit of wine produced in Brazil. And they have the, all the climates that you can possibly well, hope for in Brazil, don't they? It's so big. Um, yeah, I mean, I was talking to uh, the guy who gave me this bottle, and he was saying to me that they've tried to grow wine on a number of occasions, and uh, there was some history of the, the monks in the area were, were growing wine, but it never really took off. And this is the first ever vintage that's come from this vineyard, and they're really trying hard. But you were telling me that you found online that it's the import and export of wine is controlled in Guatemala. Yeah, and often in uh, in sort of countries where the wine industry is a developing thing, or it's a, it's about to uh, it's about to happen. It's gonna blow. Yes, where, where countries are, are developing uh, an interest in wine, often exports and imports controlled by either either a singular family or, or, a, or a singular sort of faction of the, of the government, which can often sort of uh, limit the, the exposure the wine gets and thus sort of like limit it. it it's great, but it's nice to have the opportunity to try 
the, the infancy of the uh, of the <coughs> wine industry. I mean, I'm actually starting to get a little bit worried that I may have committed some heinous crime of smuggling this wine out of the country, and I'm going to be hunted down by Guatemalan bandits. Wine doesn't kill you first, of course. Yeah, yeah. So if I wake up with a horse's head in the bed, then it's uh, yeah, I'll, I'll leave that joke for somebody else to make. Guatemalan hitman. It's, so, it's presumably grown at altitude, is it? Yes, yeah, I mean, it's grown in the um, uh, de, 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 Antigua region of Guatemala. So, Antigua is really quite famous for its coffee, and obviously, coffee needs its elevation. Um, I believe they've done a fair bit of exp uh, They went and travelled to France, but then everybody started to grow wine does, but they also did some touring in America as well. And again, you were saying that there was. Mm. Uh, Rupert's done his homework, I'm really impressed he's that he's going to get a gold star and a very hit V, well done. <laughs> I think as, as we've often spoken about before, um, the, the massive importance with wine or, or a, sort of a growing concern, especially with New World countries um, like that of, of the South Americas, America, um, they're keen to, uh, to identify in the growing areas what the French call Appalachians, which um, in brief, I think I'll, I'll let, the, let the boss give the uh, description of Appalachians. Yeah, for us, there's a defined area when we talk about it in terms of wine. So if you took Margot as an Appalachian, which is a, a village in, uh, just outside Bordeaux, produces some of the great wines of, of the world, somewhere in Margot, usually the town hall, there will be a map that defines exactly the, the vineyard area. And in granting that Appalachian uh, for Margot in this, this case, the wines must be typical of that Appalachian. Now that's a subjective thing. It means that the wines get tasted by a panel, but um, it does mean that they can't refer to that Appalachian unless the wines have been through that, that testing and are deemed to be typical of that area. Same applies, I mean, it's not just that's limited to France or just limited to wine. There are Appalachians for cheese, there are Appalachians for oysters, there are Appalachians for all sorts of things. I, I found that really interesting when you were telling me about that earlier because in Guatemala that's something that they've worked incredibly hard on in, in, to make a map of Guatemala and to break it up into regions that have a very specific um, kind of a flavour profile um, that you, you know, so you can have some links with that. It's obviously they've taken it from this wine analogy and I kind of learned something new from that one. Um, but I think the, the, the interesting part is that we were talking about is that varieties play such a big part yeah. in, in what happens. And you can have an appellation of, of, of this area, but a different variety will taste completely different. And I think the same is in coffee. It's interesting that they've chosen Cabernet and Merlot because they are two of the most ubiquitous grape varieties. The reason why Cabernet and Merlot are so popular is that they do grow just about anywhere. <laughs> they grow just about anywhere well. I think that's probably been a big big part in them choosing them because they've tried before and it hasn't quite worked out so they've probably kind of gone what's easy to grow and, yeah. and put it out there but it, it's unique it's the first ever vintage from this vineyard so I think that that's something I've never had the opportunity to try and um, it's the first one that I've ever seen from work so it's going to be kind of a whole night of firsts so let's go um, Andrew's going to pull wine all over his nice table now yeah it interesting to see whether the varnish comes off <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do the service, sir. There's, 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 there's no fog coming off him. There's, um, uh, 
You should, you should describe uh, to everyone who might not be aware of the, the Foggy Night in Fenton test. Well, we, for, uh, we have a, I have a standard test which goes back from my many years of um, buying wines, which is that you, you never buy a wine in the field. So you might have just had a fantastic lunch with a vineyard owner served by his beautiful daughter. Da 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 da, the sun shining, all is fantastic in the world. The last thing you do is get your order pad out. Um, the, uh, the test is to bring a sample back and to taste it in the environment in which you're going to sell it. So we, we call it the foggy night in Fenton or the foggy night in Stoke test, yeah. which is um, the, the only way to test it because in the warmth of Guatemala, I've had exactly the same experiences where I've tasted the coffee at origin, fell in love with it because I'd had a really good day and everything was wonderful. And then on the cupping table back home, it just kind of fell over and we hadn't bought it. It's yeah, you, you never buy, never buy when you're uh, in the. So, let's see how this tastes. You see, I, I haven't quite got the swirl, but uh, I can actually do the sneaky sniff as well. Sniffy yeah. sniff, yeah. nice. I've been desperate to do the nice. sneaky sniff because with the coffee, I did the snozzle nice. in the bowl. Yeah. Where this is a proper sneaky sniff. sniff. If you start, <laughs> stop putting your finger in your ear, though, I'm. I'm <laughs> Unique. <laughs> it's interesting because we, we, we smelt this early on when we first up and caught it just to make sure it wasn't corked or you know, corked as in oxidised and it had a really unusual smell to it. Uh, it was almost like a carrier bag smell I got when we opened it earlier. It was like really plastic. It was a plasticine. Yes, yeah, it was um, not nice at all. Having had half an hour in the decanter, which is always a good idea. Yeah. You do often get very strange whiffs and smells that come off wines when they're first, um, first opened, and that's one of the reasons for letting them breathe. Uh, and this is certainly what I think has improved a lot. Yeah, I agree. Very much. Very, I, mean, I, I, I am a, an inconvert to the, the world of uh, decanting, and after Andrew suggested it to me, um, particularly with some of these bigger, bolder reds that I can that Rupert keeps sending me away with, um, and, and they are, they, they really do open up, don't they, from... When, the, when the canting of wine, you've, it's very much the, the suitcase syndrome, you've got to think as though you're, uh, you're going on holiday, and uh, you've packed all your pants, socks, shirts, everything, and you've sat on this suitcase and squished it in, which is exactly what a winemaker's done when he's made these big styles of wine. Um, and when you open up your suitcase, and you divide up all those things, you throw your pants into the drawer, your socks at the, at the wardrobe, and you're then, when decanting, splitting up all these individual flavours through a process of sort of very gradual oxidisation. So yeah, decants are massively important when you, uh, when you want to try these sort of full styles of wine. It's a very strange colour, isn't it? Mm, it's, it's, it's not a typical Cab or, or Merlot colour. Yeah. Um, that there's something, there's something more dense about it. I, I wish I had the experience to be able to tell you that. I'm, I completely out my depth with wine. I, I'm really enjoying some of the flavours that I'm getting, but I'm completely I think it's, it's, new it's, it's incredibly ripe. See how it clings to the glass. Let me, yeah, let me see if I can get it close to the camera so people can see this colour. And, uh, we, so there we go. I'm sure I should have done a better shot with a nice photograph. Well, Steve, <laughs> not your legs. Not your legs. The legs, as, as, they yeah. form, as it forms teardrops on the glass like that, that that's, that's an indication of ripeness, of the ripeness of the fruit when it's picked. And I guess they're going to have a really, one thing they will have on their side with the sun is they got, it's going to ripen a lot easier, isn't it? Than, for instance, in sort of the France, like last year where they had a lot of the rain and 
uh, and have trouble riding the fruit. They're never going to have that problem there, are they? The reason why wine doesn't get grown in the tropics, the vine will grow and it will happily produce fruit, but the uh, the quality of that fruit tends to be quite poor because the vine has it easy. A vine is, is a, an unusual plant in that it doesn't really need nitrogen uh, in order to nourish. It needs a minimal amount of nitrogen. And, and basically, the closer you can come to killing it without actually killing it, the better the quality of wine it Which is completely the opposite of the coffee plant because the coffee plant will die at the slightest, I mean, frost and, and it's gone, it's over. Yeah. Uh, and, and they quite often say in Brazil, yeah. if Brazil uh, sneezes, you know, the rest of the coffee world catches cold because it, it has a big effect. But really, the frost and, and the plants are not very hardy at all. Whereas it's yeah. more like organic sort of masochism in the uh, <laughs> vines. You've got to you really do make it as hard as possible for the vine to grow. So, in, in, in a warm climate, it tends to produce lots of rather bland wine. Yeah. So if, again, if you take it to altitude, stick it on top of a mountain in a, in a hot climate, then you'll get uh, the equivalent effect of, of cooler climate uh, and making it more difficult. So places like Argentina, Chile, uh, and Chile, the, the wines are um, grown at altitude, um, or the best wines are grown at altitude. The plain is still planted, the hot areas are still planted with, uh, with vines, but that tends to produce the everyday table wines and stuff. Yeah, I mean, Chile's a great example of my wine education. Recently I've been having some great, great kind of sound, you know, those South American wines that have been blowing my mind. But listen, I've got to go in because I want to try yeah. this one. I'm, uh, I've smelt enough. Are you from the nose or what, what, what do you think is a... It's got quite, quite sort of, it's got a bit of tarry, quite dark sort of fruit to it. Dark fruit, I mean, it smells boozy. Yeah, this is really strong. The alcohol is somewhat, uh, somewhat pronounced. I can, I can sort of see the claw marks there, Bossy. <laughs> it's a big fella. Wow, well, Phil, <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot of alcohol there, isn't there? It's big time alcohol. And I, it's kind of almost blocking my flavours. It's. Does it say 13, 13 and a half? Oh, you don't ever believe my labels. I think 13 and a half, but oh, that's not 13 and a half. That's big alcohol. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <coughs> that's more so than their normal lies as well, isn't it? Because Absolutely. There's, there's, there's big alcohol, big taste, big mm. extraction. I'm getting a, a little bit of a kind of currenty, kind of chewy, almost, you know, to kind of that viscosity chewiness to it. But It's not... It's not an unpleasant wine, mm. not for a young wine. Mm. Um, a, a lot of a lot of the young wines that we taste. I wish we wouldn't do that with my very For a young wine, it's, it's that's not overtly harsh. A lot of tannins, though, which I was wasn't expecting because you know thinking a young wine, it's not really going to have that, but it's got. Nice dryness. Nice. Big dryness, yeah. I think there's, there's something that, I think it is the alcohol that just barges straight <laughs> um, Around the edges there's something reasonably, reasonably pretty. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad we have the too because I'm driving home. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, uh, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's what you're going to get in a hot climate, mm. isn't it? Hot climate, you get lots of sugars, sugar turns to alcohol. Alcohol dominates the wine. But, uh, 
It's a, you know, kind of if I tasted this wine beforehand and was going to pair some coffees with it, I would pair this to something like a Sumatra, an Indonesian coffee, or a Yemen, because of its wildness and its alcohol, and kind of booziness to it. Um, I kind of think these are going to fade into the background, but now let's. Underneath that, there is a, there's, there is something to. I quite, I think it's got a, there's a bit of personality, but it is quite. It's like a ballerina in a chainmail vest. <laughs> or a hippo in a tutu. Yes, so, yeah, yeah. Huge, great wine. It, huge. You know, it's exceeded my expectations. I, I did try this wine while I was in Guatemala, but I, I kind of had lots of glasses of it and not had a chance to taste it, but to drink it with a, some good friends and a good meal. Um, but I actually think it's, it's more, of a, more of a wine than I remembered. Um, and more of a wine than I expected. I think contextually speaking as well, this is a, uh, a country not massively famed for its, for its viticultural <laughs> heritage um, and a first vintage and quite possibly by a team or, or a group who might not have, they, they will obviously consult with uh, enologists and, and things like that, but I mean they're probably not going to be Totally geared for that for that sort of thing. I think is. Well, look at what fish. California did in the kind of you know the 60s, 70s when they were really getting behind and trying to do good wines. Mm. You know, they didn't have the history, did they? They didn't have the the, the legacy. Um, and I think that's true with coffee as well. You know, new new planting areas of coffee quite often won't produce great coffee. You know, you need there's some history there. Mm. You need um, time for all things to even out. But I, I'm quite pleased with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. so. we, we taste an awful lot worse than that mm -hmm. on a reasonably regular basis from countries that should know better yeah. and from producers that should know better. There, um, there's, some, there's something got into there, isn't there? You can actually, there is some care and there is some deep development. So, oh, I'm, so I'm, I'm really chuffed with that. want to taste some really bad wines, just come by them in Calais. <laughs> yeah, in a box. <laughs> All good wine comes in a box, apparently. <laughs> So, coffees I've got for us to pair with them. Um, I've got the El Bosque from Atitalan, which viewers of this one will know that we've done um, some in my mugs from, from the farm there. It's a big favourite of mine. Four years ago, this farm really wasn't doing a great deal um, history-wise. You know, we kind of produced coffee, but it wasn't necessarily of great quality. And the three brothers who own the farm, the Flores brothers, really kind of tried to up their game and tried to do something good with the coffee. And in four years, it's gone from from nowhere to being in the number one and number three World Barista Championship blends last year. It's just phenomenal, and it really is a, a great coffee. We've got a special relationship with the Flores Brothers because they're going to be doing some work for us this year with the Yellow Bourbon. So it's a specific varietal they have, and they're going to separate it out for us, and we're the only people who have this Yellow Bourbon, which is exciting. Um, so a great coffee. Um, I actually think this is. It, this is actually part of the old school blend as well. Oh, it's this coffee, yeah, it's yeah, so, uh, it's going to be good. Um, they haven't. Uh, see in the background there, they've got an S1 here, and you can kind of pop in and have coffee as long as you promise to buy loads of wine afterwards. Note to the branded mugs. Yeah, branded old school mugs. <laughs> Secret formula. A little bit of marketing. Um, because they're very kindly kind of giving it their evening your time. Look at that! It's a cup and a bag of coffee! <laughs> <laughs> so, this coffee is quite different to the wine. <laughs> so, I don't know how they're going to pair up. Just dive in, let me know what you think. That's nice. It's, um, it's quite it's a delicate flavour. Well, I quite like that because yeah. it's, it's, there's an earthiness to it. 
um, Michael, but it's, it's, there's a delicate... I love the sweetness as well. It's got a really nice sweetness on the mid palate, which kind of just turns into a nice, delicate aftertaste, which isn't overpowering, it isn't punching you in your face. Um, That's, um, would that be a sort of coffee you drink in the morning? Yeah, no, no, I think, I think it is, it, it's, a, it's a very good croissant exactly. and, yeah, yeah. and, and coffee and drink. Um, it works really well in a blend. In a blend it brings that lovely sweetness to it. It's got a nice caramel kind of roundness um, that I really enjoy in it. Um, but the one thing I love about it is I, I kind of get a real cleanliness from it. It's, yeah, like, it has, it's, it's very transparent, it gives its taste and there's no harshness at all. It's quite glossy on the and on the on the texture of it. It's quite yeah, quite glossy. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. I I think quite different to the wine because that is that yeah alcohol pushing through. Whereas this is is quite opposite. So that one really hasn't worked as a pairing. Um, <laughs> fail. Yes, if we have a, a, another three cups and. Um, yeah, this one is uh, San Francisco San Francisco Tech and Buru. Um, San Francisco is the volcano that the coffee grows on. Um, it's it's another one of the farms that I, I've been lucky enough to go to. It's owned by Sergio, who I know watches these as well. Both the farmers of these coffees watch these videos. So fantastic! I've been a fan of these. Tech and Buru is a little different, where it's got a bit more. Um, bit more body to it, it's a bit more syrupy, it's got a little bit more thickness. Um, I love this as a single estate espresso, it's perhaps not so suited to the French press. Quite different isn't it? Yeah. You know? These are the same brewing method, same brewing time and, and this is why I love tasting coffees this way side by side because you suddenly go, well coffee's coffee. But then when you taste them so well, I guess you get the same with wine. You know, people Definitely. come in and say, oh, I just I have any old wine. But until you try them side by side, you probably doesn't necessarily understand the, the massive difference. The one that slightly annoys me, irritates me slightly, is when people say, I, uh, I know what I like, that's yeah. what I like. So, but then they'll say... Have you tried every single wine and every single vintage from every single year? You've got, got to try, you know, keep your mind open to trying things. And do them in context and comparative tasting, certainly in respect of wine, I'm sure it's the same with coffee. It's one of the best ways of accentuating the differences between one and the other. Because when you taste them side by side, you really notice it. Taste them in, in, by, by themselves, maybe you wouldn't notice the same differences. I think the importance of, of food and time of application in the day, yeah. as we've just said about the coffee we, we tasted before, about how it's definitely a you know, a, a morning style of coffee, um, and similarly so, I mean, with, with the wine, um, probably quite late in the evening. <laughs> <laughs> early morning wines have No, 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 no that's, that's very true, actually, that's very true. <laughs> New Zealand Blanc, yeah, I've been quoted as saying, if I had to drink a wine at breakfast, it would be New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. So it's a bad thing to not, not, not on a working day. You <laughs> find it goes very badly with Frosties. <laughs> Oh, it works with all Brad. <laughs> no, I mean I think this one is it, it's got it, it's actually quite surprised me because I was expecting more body from this one and I think it's more acidity uh, I'm getting coming through. Um, I can see what you said before how it'd be suited to an espresso. It's got you can tell that it, it needs that it, all that sort of 
both those sort of kind yeah. of yeah, no, definitely. And I think the, the, the other thing with it that um, with the espresso, it brings out the viscosity a lot better because you've got the viscosity of the espresso to start off with. This is quite a mouth covering coffee normally, but this way it's, it's changing again. And it's another way. The reason I like coffee so much is that the brew methods play such a big part on on, on the developing. And you know, with wine, when it comes from the the the, the you know, from the vineyard, that's it, it's done, isn't it? It's, it's finished. finished product. Whereas when this comes from the, the uh, plantation, it's just the start its journey. It's, it's, it's a little bit like buying um, bunches of grapes from the vineyard, taking, yeah. taking them home <laughs> and trying to make your own wine out of them. Yeah. I think that's what we find so fascinating about what Steve does and, and the whole idea of that that part of coffee because unfortunately as we don't we don't get to get our hands involved or they often don't treat Andrew's not the agricultural man. <laughs> Somebody comes in and asks for a couple of cases of good tarot and we have to go and trade the grapes in the back room. <laughs> Squeeze it through a sock to, to get it clarified and then bottle it. I think I think pretty much I've failed here in trying to pair a coffee with the, the wine and yeah, that, that really hasn't worked. But I think what's been really interesting is getting firstly your take on the wine industry compared to the coffee industry. And I, it's something I've been harping on today a lot recently. I think there's so many links. But also I thought it was really interesting just to try that wine yeah, and share it with people so people actually know that there is such a thing as a Guatemalan wine. Just have to wait for the French to start growing some coffee now. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Or, or maybe not. <laughs> yeah. The global warming. Yeah. Now listen, I think that's been brilliant. Thanks very much for your input on it. And I hope you guys have enjoyed it. And um, yeah, we're going to keep doing these really weird and wonderful uh, in my mug. So until next time, thanks very much for joining us. Do we wave now? Do we wave. Bye.